the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. For the second year in a row, the Miami Dolphins have made a splash in free agency. After signing wide receiver Tyree Kill in 2022, the Dolphins went defense this year by grabbing six-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champion Jalen Ramsey. They also added a more than serviceable backup quarterback in Mike White, formerly of the New York Jets. With Tua Tungavailoa's health always a question, grabbing a good backup quarterback is a smart thing to do. The Dolphins started off the 2022 season red hot, but lagged after several injuries derailed their promising season. How good are they after making these additions? And what are they looking to do in the 2023 NFL Draft? To answer those questions and more, I welcome back longtime Dolphins reporter and columnist Hal Habib of the Palm Beach Post. Hal's been covering South Florida sports for four decades, and his insight is as good as any in the business. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida sports network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast, to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. When it comes to the Miami Dolphins, Hal Habib has been as much of a staple to this team as anyone except for maybe Dan Marino. He's also worked at the Miami Herald, so he's been dealing with the Dolphins since the mid-1980s. Let's bring him in to hear what's been going on down there in South Florida. Hal, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be with you. All right. Well, let's start with the big news in free agency that I mentioned here in the intro, and that's the signing of Jalen Ramsey. When you pair him with Xavier Howard, does this give the Dolphins the best quarterback duo in the NFL now? It's very possible. Uh, when you look at their resumes individually and collectively, um, you have to put them in that category. Uh, you know, they have all kinds of honors next to their names, whether it be Pro Bowl, All-Pro, you know, leading the league in interceptions and all kinds of good stuff like that. But you have to also look at things as a whole and and within context. Um, you know, Xavier Howard uh, did not have his best year last year. It was a surprise to me that he made the Pro Bowl, honestly. And it, it was a surprise to Xavier Howard that he made the Pro Bowl. And uh, some of uh, Ramsey's numbers were good last year, but not as good as some of the numbers he put up previously. Uh, you know, they're, they're, those two guys are still young enough that you're not going to sound any alarms that they're on the decline. Uh, what the Dolphins would hope for is for them to be, you know, 100% healthy come July and August when we get into the dog days of training camp and then put their best foot forward. And if they are the Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard that the Dolphins think they are, then they have to be among the best, if not the best duo. But, you know, let's not overlook uh, tandems like what the Jets had with Sauce Gardner, who was terrific in his rookie year. Uh, Diggs with Dallas is a guy I really like. Uh, those two teams have, you know, pretty good pairings at corner and, and there's some other teams that you got to look at. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But it's it's a good sign for Miami. 
Yeah, well, the Pro Bowl was kind of funny this year when you see someone like Tyler Huntley make it. So, you know, and uh, obviously a bad year for the Rams. So Jalen Ramsey even be able, being able to, uh, you know, contribute anything to what happened over there. But you're right, you know, Xavier Howard, we, we expect great things out of him after a couple of years ago. So uh, looking forward to see what happens there. But man, do, do the Dolphins have too many guys named Jalen now? Because aside from Ramsey, you know, they took the two Jalens in 2021, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips. They all spell it differently. Am I missing any other Jalens on the roster? Uh, well, I, I woke up today thinking Jalen Hurts was going to join the Dolphins, but I guess <laughs> not. Uh, I, I can go one better for you. Um, let's rewind the clock to 2014. And in that season, the Dolphins had uh, running back Damien Williams on the team. They also had wide receiver Damien Williams on the team. <laughs> And so uh, the, the benefit there was they both claimed that if the other guy uh, screwed up, you know, they could always tell the coach, hey, it was him. It wasn't me. And, and the coaches always had to say, you know, Damien the running back or Damien the receiver. Uh, and so it, it was a fun thing that year, except I guess if you were a coach trying to figure out who was who. <laughs> it reminds me of my fourth grade year. I think I had four Jennifers in the same classroom. I think that was the most popular girl name of kids born in 1977, but I digress. Um, speaking of Jalen Waddle, you know, when paired with Tyreek Hill, obviously, they could have the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. So, you know, the big question is always, can Tua Tungavailoa stay healthy? Because when he was, I mean, he was the most, you know, accurate quarterback in the NFL, the numbers show. So I hear he's been working with people supposedly in the martial arts community trying to learn to fall better when tackled. Is that something true or what can you fill us in on what Tua has been working on? Well, it's kind of interesting because the first time we heard that uh, he had actually done that, we thought that something like that might be in the works. But when it was finally confirmed, it was by Tua himself. I believe it was Super Bowl week, and he said he was working on taking judo lessons. Well, it turns out that wasn't really the case. It was jujitsu lessons, as Mike McDaniel straightened us out on. Um, the goal there is sort of a, a get him to strengthen his, his neck muscles, um, teach him how to keep his chin close to his chest when he falls, all kinds of things like that. Um, the thing that makes it difficult is... You know, it's it's one thing to do that in a martial arts type program, but those guys in the NFL, man, you know, there there have been a few times that I've been on the field, not on the field, but, you know, on the field surface during an NFL game. And uh, let me tell you, the, the speed and the, the ferocity with those hits, it, it's something that TV doesn't really capture as good as... It is, you know, in 4K and all of this. It's amazing how how fast those guys are and how hard they hit. And I can just wonder, you know, when when Tua gets hit at full speed like that, are those lessons going to hold true, or is he just going to, you know, go down the way he has been going down? Hopefully, he can take those lessons and and protect himself a little bit better. Yeah, yeah jujitsu. I believe that's Brazilian and judo is Japanese. Is that correct? Uh, I think that's right. But, you know, my my MMA experience was was limited. Uh, a fascinating sport to cover. I'll tell you that. But I, I think you have it right. 
Yeah. But, you know, there was a story I heard earlier this week, and I can't recall which uh, defensive end was saying it, but he was saying that, you know, all of the armchair quarterbacks who think that they could step into the NFL wouldn't even be able to throw one uh, complete or, you know, wouldn't even be able to complete 10 yards worth of receiving passes in the NFL. So, you know, just trying to make that point of how quick it is, how big and how strong these guys are. So even if you're trying to learn the fall, you know, that, that seems like, you know, I mean, it's great that he's trying and strengthening that, but I just don't see how you do it. Well, actually, I can relate um, in a couple of ways. Uh, one of them, uh, when I was doing some MMA stories, I remember some of the uh, athletes telling me that if you take someone off the street, um, you know, they wouldn't last two seconds with an MMA fighter. They, If they got into an octagon, they, they wouldn't land one punch. They wouldn't probably take more than one or two punches it's such a different world and you know one thing that i go back to is when i played this was just a rec league soccer team i played on but we had some ringers including one guy who played professionally and i remember one game he had like i don't know three or four goals in like the first 10 minutes it was a whole different world Yeah, well, I'm five foot six and about 150 pounds, so I will not be picking a fight with anyone. I assure you of that. <laughs> so you know, uh, w- they, the Dolphins did go out and they signed Mike White as the backup, and you know he he was serviceable, obviously with the Jets. He was probably their best option last year. You know, a couple of years ago, he had that great great coming out game where he had the four touchdowns. So I'm guessing that uh, the Dolphins didn't have faith that Skylar Thompson would then be the backup. So does he stay at the number three guy then? Well, Skylar is a really interesting guy. You know, uh, last year in preseason, he ended up leading the NFL in passing. Uh, And then once we got into the real games, obviously, it was a whole different ballgame. But the question is, what do they have in Skylar Thompson? I don't think anyone can really answer that question. I think that he showed enough last uh, summer that you want to continue to tap into his potential and see where it leads. At the same time, we know what Tua's injury situation is. And so they had to get someone that they were confident could step in and win games for them uh, if if it came to that. Uh, obviously, you know, Teddy Bridgewater and Jacoby Brissett weren't able to, you know, get the job done the past couple of years. So they found the best available South Florida quarterback, and it turned out to be Mike White. The, the thing to keep in mind, Tim, is that the times that White has been in a ball game, he's put up some very big numbers, you know, 300 yards three times, a 405-yard game, uh, consistently putting up at least 250 yards. So the guy has some potential there, and it's up to uh, Mike McDaniel and company to see how far that takes him and how reliable he can be as a number two. Yeah, and he's got ties to South Florida, right? Yeah, he's from Broward County, went to university school, which actually you could almost throw a rock from university school to where the Dolphins were training as White was growing up uh, right on the campus of Nova Southeastern University. So um, interestingly enough, Mike White was a baseball player, so it's not like he grew up dreaming of taking that step across the fence and playing for the Dolphins someday, saw himself in Major League Baseball. 
Yeah, and he's you know he's listed in a couple of places at six four, some at six five. So he's also almost a half a foot taller than Tua too, right? Uh, well, a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL are. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, what other free agent moves of note should we know about uh, by the Dolphins aside from White and Ramsey? A couple of guys I'm really uh, eager to see in action. Uh, one of them is linebacker David Long. Uh, you know, the Dolphins have been okay at linebacker over the years, but they haven't had the kind of guy who makes you notice him day in and day out. And I don't know if Long is that guy, but maybe he is. Pro Football Focus rated him at number 14 as uh, on the linebacker list last year. Uh, he was right in the in the same league, basically, with Matt Milano, who I think is terrific for the Bills. Uh, Long was rated as the fifth best run defender at linebacker. So there's a lot going on there that would lead you to believe that under Vic Pangio, Long could really have a nice impact in Miami. Uh, the other guy I want to see in action is a guy who I thought uh, for a long time uh, had some real potential and put up some, you know, pretty good tape over the years. Braxton Berrios, uh, he might be Miami's best return man in years, really. And uh, the other other good thing about him joining the Dolphins is he's not going to burn Miami with those, you know, 20 or 30 yard punt returns anymore. Yeah, he he's one of those guys like, you know, me being the sports editor over the Times Union in Jacksonville, I got to watch uh, Jamal Agnew. I think there's a lot of similar similarities between those two guys in just how they can change a game and change field position and all of that. So you're right. That's going to be exciting to see. So, uh, you know, we can't really talk about free agency and holes in the team, though, without looking to next month's draft as well. So, you know, let's talk about the picks that the Dolphins have. And what do you expect them to do with some of those picks? Well, one of the things I expect is uh, for them to come out of it with a tight end somewhere along the way. Could be even in the second round. Um, that would be one position. Offensive line is always something that they uh, are looking to strengthen. Uh, defensive back is a possibility, of course. Um, the fact that they don't have a first rounder makes it really difficult to pinpoint um, you know, where they're going to go. Uh, in past years, it was a little bit easier than it is right now. Um, so, so much is up in the air. After we get through uh, Thursday night, the first day of the draft, we might be able to have a better idea of where they're looking. Yeah, you mentioned tight end. So they lose Mike Jasicki, who goes to AFC East rival New England. They did add Eric Saubert, but certainly not a household name. They returned Tanner Connor who was number two in receiving yards for tight ends last year. But yeah, um, what what picks, you know, what numbers, where are we going to start seeing them draft since they did, you know, lose those first round, the first round pick and, and everything that happened with them? Well, what they have left, it's not much, <laughs> uh, is uh, round two, 51st overall, round three, 84th, round six, 197, and round seven, 238. Um so, you know, it's funny to think that they're going to be a whole lot busier on Saturday than they ever will be on Thursday when they could just sit around and I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like there's probably not even much of a potential for a trade if they wanted to do something with picks then, is there? Not really. Um, I remember it's it's a little similar to last year when they uh, 
they didn't have uh, a, an early pick. And I remember they told the reporters just stay home, basically. Uh, so um, who knows? Yeah. And, you know, a couple of minutes ago, you also mentioned Vic Fangio, you know, some changes going on there with the coaching staff. So why don't you talk a little bit about what's going on there under Mike McDaniel as he comes into his second year? Uh, well, yeah, they, they brought in Fangio and uh, made him the highest paid uh, defensive coordinator in the league. His, his record is, you know, as good as you want uh, in the defensive coordinator. And he's got a lot of pieces to work with. Uh, you know, uh, we talked about the cornerbacks. Uh, he's His system relies heavily on safeties. And that's where Javon Holland can really take a step forward next year and and maybe crack that uh, Pro Bowl uh, lineup. Um, and I also look for guys like Bradley Chubb and uh, Jalen Phillips to uh, – you know, be very effective, step up their game uh, coming off the edge, given what Fangio can do with those guys. I'm sure when when Fangio looks at his roster and sees those guys, some of those positions I just named are really kind of jumping off the page for him. Yeah, and, you know, let, let's talk about that defense for a second, because as we mentioned, you've got Ramsey, you've got Xavier and Howard. You mentioned they picked up Chubb late last season. They signed linebacker and Chubb's friend Malik Reed a few weeks ago. So how good is that defense? Or, you know, are some of these players getting past that prime of their careers? No, I think they're in in very good shape defensively. I think that uh, I think they underperformed last year in some ways defensively. You know, they took a step back. Um, they probably uh, and I think Mike McDaniel will be the first to tell you this. Uh, they they blitzed more often than they should have. And that might have been a philosophical difference between what Mike was thinking and what Josh Borey was thinking. And it was interesting that in his first news conference, Big Fangio was asked about blitzing. And his answer was um, basically when I want to, not when I have to. Uh, and, and I think that last year the feeling was that they had to blitz in order to get to the quarterback. Um so yeah, um, I think that they'll they'll change that philosophy and you know maybe look a little bit more at least in terms of results look a little bit more like the Dolphins did a couple of years ago than they did last year. Yeah, and you know to circle back one more time about the draft, you know you and your tag team partner there at Palm Beach, Joe Shad, you guys were up at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, several weeks back. So, you know, uh, even who are some of the players that impressed you and, uh, you know, who may come to the Dolphins or or even if they didn't, because you got to see a lot of really, you know, interesting things going on during that combine. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the guys who uh, impressed everybody is not going to be a Dolphin, but I got to mention him. You know, Anthony Richardson came in with a lot of questions, the Florida Gator quarterback, and uh, and put on a pretty good show for everybody and answered questions, too, for the media, exactly how if you were his agent, you'd want him to answer them. Uh, it was a really positive weekend for him, I think. Uh, but in terms of guys that the Dolphins might be targeting, it's kind of interesting. Um, this just sort of happened. It wasn't by any kind of design, but uh, Joe and I both wound up uh, zeroing in on the tight ends at the draft. And it's sort of a, a crapshoot in that 
because Miami doesn't have their first round pick anymore, you're kind of trying to project not who the best couple of tight ends are in a very good tight end field, but you're having to go sort of to that second echelon and figure out who Miami might like there. You know, one guy who I found very intriguing was Tucker Crafts at South Dakota State. And then uh, Tucker uh, wound up with a pretty good uh, 40 time. Uh, he was seventh fastest among tight ends. And unfortunately, or fortunately for the Dolphins, I don't know how you want to look at it, but he was tied for first place among tight ends uh, with 23 reps on the bench. And so did he, was he too good for Miami? It's possible. Who knows? Uh, Joe was focusing on Sam LaPorta from Iowa, uh, came from the same school that George Kittle came from. We all know how Mike McDaniel loves George Kittle. And and LaPorta went and had the third fastest combine time at 4.59. So, you know, some of these guys did well where, you know, are they going to be there when Miami picks? Who knows? Yeah, good point. Yeah, Richardson, there's a topic that I could spend probably an entire podcast on because uh, I talked on Sirius XM's NFL radio about a column I wrote likening Richardson and Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, who are a lot alike in that those are guys who, you know, have this great physicality, but they had, you know, certain throwing issues coming out of college. And, uh, you know, they were able to mostly fix Allen until Brian Dayball left and, and then he got a little bit shakier. So it'll be interesting to see if all the work he's been putting in up at the six points training facility in Jacksonville will pay off. But again, that, that is a subject for another podcast. We'll stick with the dolphins here. So, um, you know, I was reading one of your stories the other day. This one really caught my attention because there were two stories out of Tennessee this week, one doing with the Jaguars where Arden key is talking about being disrespected by the Jaguars. And then you have Mike Vrabel who's taking shots at linebacker David Long, who you were mentioning, because of soft tissue injuries. And Long said he was surprised by the comment. So can you fill us in a little bit on what was going on with that? Yeah, it was a little unusual. Um, A lot of coaches are reluctant to criticize. Sort of the credo is, you know, praise in public and criticize in private. And yet Vrabel called Long and Christian Fulton repeat offenders in soft two issues, injuries rather. And, you know, if you just see that comment from his old coach, you might wonder, okay, are we sort of in the same territory, same territory we were in uh, when Devontae Parker was here and always coming out with, you know, hamstring injuries and the like. Um, And long... Long's reaction was sort of like, where is this coming from? Uh, You know, Long did miss five games one year, six games another year. So there is a concern about, you know, is this going to be the third year in a row that he misses a handful of games? Long is confident that that's not going to happen. Um, And and he fired back at Vrabel, basically saying, you know, why are you singling? singling me out um, and and that he was going to use it as a motivating factor, a bigger chip on his shoulder, but um, he didn't want to, you know, focus too much on, on that and, and, you know, give Rabel more credence than maybe he thinks it deserves. And well, the Titans are on that schedule this year, so we'll have to see 
you know, we don't have the dates out yet, but when the Dolphins and the Titans are going to play, I'm sure Long's going to circle that date on the calendar. And, you know, Vrabel, he's a guy who uh, obviously he says a lot of weird things. I can remember a couple of years ago when he said he'd cut off his private parts to win the Super Bowl because he's been married 20 years and doesn't need it anymore. So I don't think he really takes inventory too much of what he says out loud sometimes. Uh, maybe that's good for the media. Um, <laughs> probably not good for his family. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of that schedule, you know, when you look at the AFC East, the Dolphins, of course, have a tall task. The Bills, they're probably still going to be the favored team. You know, the Jets automatically become a contender. That is, if Aaron Rodgers eventually joins them. I mean, there's a situation that's getting old quick. Uh, maybe he'll join them eventually. And they'll be getting back Brees Hall, the rookie who is just lighting up the world until he sadly tore his MCL and meniscus last year. But, you know, and the Jets, you mentioned their defense. And, of course, there's always, you know, New England who, you know, they might not be the favorite, but with Bill Belichick and all of the things he does. So, you know, how do you see this division playing out this year? Well, I would say this. Um, think back to last December when the Dolphins were going up to Buffalo and all the reporters were piling on their winter coats like crazy. <laughs> and they played that, that snow globe game that everybody knew was going to go a long way toward deciding things come postseason time. Um, I think that these three teams, the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins, have uh, made some moves and are so talented right now well, first of all, it's one of the most uh, intriguing, if not the most intriguing divisions in football. But I think that every divisional game is just going to be monstrously big. I think that, you know, if the Jets, Bills, or uh, Patriots come down, uh, make it Jets, Bills, or Jets come down, I'm sorry, if they come down in September, we're going to be looking at that game as just, you know, so huge for the division because even at the start, it's going to be just that. And I think that in the end, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe one game separates the top three teams in the AFC East. They're going to beat up on each other and, uh, you know, they'll come out of it, you know, that much stronger in the end, but uh, it's going to be just so close and, it's so interesting anytime those top three teams meet. And yes, I am putting the Patriots in the basement. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the schedule makers certainly have a sense of humor making the Bills come down here when it's a million degrees and swampy. And then the the Dolphins going up there when it's, you know, negative a thousand degrees and snowing. So maybe they'll swap that this year. But you know, hey, they've got the AFC West also this year. So you're going to be going to Kansas City. You're going to be going to the L.A. Chargers. They've also got the Dallas Cowboys on that schedule. The Giants were a playoff team. The Eagles, who lost in the Super Bowl. So this is going to end Baltimore. This is going to be one heck of a year because there's only a couple of games on there where you look and think, well, you know, these might not be the toughest games. Maybe Washington, Carolina, but everything else. It, it, it's looking pretty tough for the Dolphins as opposed to, you know, last year when, when their schedule had kind of a lull in it. But there, there's not going to be a lull this year, is there? No, there there won't be. Um, you know, often, though, uh, one thing that, that maybe Dolphin fans can hold on to is that, 
a lot of times what a schedule looks like in March is not what it looks like in September or October, even November. Uh, there are going to be teams that you discount that wind up being very good and teams that you're worried about that maybe they have a lot of injuries or whatever. And, and that game turns out to be, you know, not as tight as you would have thought. Um, so I, I'm always reluctant to look at that strength of schedule chart and, and take it too far because, you know, the NFL is so unpredictable. There are always teams that are going worst to first. So just kind of, you know, take it for what it's worth here in March. Is there a non-AFC East game that you're looking forward to seeing? Hmm. Well, you mentioned Dallas. That's that's one that uh, is going to be interesting. That's that's a team that you're never quite sure what they're going to do. Uh, but it's it, that should be a tough game. Uh, the Giants, I think, are definitely on the uh, way up. Um, you know, going back to the AFC in general. Um, the Ravens are probably still uh, kind of worked up over how the Dolphins came back on them last year. So uh, they're going to be looking to uh, kind of right the ship. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of games that have storylines galore. Yeah, that Dallas game, I'll tell you, that'll, uh, you know, we saw Dallas come into Jacksonville last year, and I think there were probably more Cowboys fans than Jaguars fans. So I know the Dolphins have a strong, strong fan base, but you're going to see a lot of silver and blue mixed in there, I would imagine. Uh, probably. Uh, you know, I for a number of years, I've been impressed with uh, how Dolphin fans travel. Um, you know, I go back to, what was it, the 2019 year? the uh, tank for two a year. And it was uh, amazing to me how even in a down year, uh, Miami fans represented very well on those road games. So, um, you know, even a team like Jacksonville, they're getting used to being competitive and and, kind of making teams sweat now. uh, And they're only going to get better. So I think you know, fans of the Jaguars are going to start to travel more as well. It's fun to go to road games. You you always want to be in the minority and, and out-shout the uh, home team when when your uh, road team is doing well. Yeah, absolutely. And the Dolphins, having Jalen Ramsey and, and having Xavier Howard, they would be well to watch the tape of the end of that Jaguars-Cowboys game because they kind of figured out Dak Prescott late and had that, that big interception late. So, Obviously, it could come down to that with the Dolphins. But, you know, over the next few weeks, Hal, you're going to be busy leading up to that draft, even without a lot of picks, because there's just a lot of storylines going down there in South Florida. So what are some things that uh, you can tell the people that you'll be working on and uh, why they should be going to palmbeachpost.com to read your stuff? Well, um, one thing I can tell you is that Joe and I collected a lot of material from the Combine um, to give people a better idea on who some of these guys are who might well be drafted on day two and day three when the Dolphins are busy. Uh, so, you know, we'll be uh, rolling out some of those features uh, over the next few weeks. Um, I have something, I'm not going to mention names, but I sat down with a guy at the Combine who um, all your listeners have seen this man's work. You see it every year. It has millions of eyeballs, uh, what he has to say about all these prospects. 
and yet nobody has written about him. And and I wondered how does he do the massive amount of work he does. And and I learned a lot from talking to him. I thought it was a really interesting discussion. He spends five months compiling draft uh, outlines on all these prospects. And uh, it, it, he also gives an, a pretty good idea for fans that they want to really zero in on a player and scout the way he does. Uh, he offered a lot of insight into how you break down a player and, and project what he did on the college level to how it may look on a pro uh, field. So uh, that story is going to be coming out in a few weeks. And I, uh, I had a lot of fun putting it together. Ooh, a little nugget there. And, you know, it's probably can only be a, a small handful of people, all high profile that do that. So looking forward to that, Hal. Tim, I got to throw in, it's, it's not Mel Kuyper. It's probably, well, I, it's not anybody who you've re- uh, read about before because nobody's really read, uh, written about this guy before. Ooh, well, we love it. I can't wait for that. And uh, we'll have to make sure to continue to check on your work on that. But before I let you go, Hal, you know, I always love to ask you about your 40-year-old Danny Barr. Last year, you said if the Dolphins won the Super Bowl, you might consider eating that. And, uh, you know, I would love to have the video and audio for this podcast. And you know what? I might join you because I have a 30-year-old six-pack of Shaquille O'Neal Pepsi soda. So maybe we split the Danny Barr and have some 30-year-old Pepsi if the Dolphins win the Super Bowl. What do you think? I uh, have some Tums in the kitchen that's uh, <laughs> ready to be devoured. Uh, <laughs> I, I need hazmat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hal, you know, <laughs> people either can find your work, as I said, on uh, palmbeachpost.com. They can, uh, you know, obviously, you're, you're one of the top Google searches when things come up for the Dolphins. But if people want to find you on Twitter as well, uh, where do you put your links up there on Twitter? Uh, it's at Gunner Hal, G-U-N-N-E-R-H-A-L, which is a uh, tribute to my favorite soccer team about to win the English Premier League title. All right. Well, there you go. It's always a pleasure, Hal. Thanks for joining us. And I look forward to talking to you in about a month as the draft gets near so we can maybe talk about that a little further and maybe see if the Dolphins have done anything else between now and then because you just never know. You know, as I mentioned with the Jaguars, they waited for all of the high price uh, free agents to get signed. And now this week they've been going and uh, doing a little bit bargain shopping and finding some good things out there. So maybe we'll see that out of the Dolphins. Uh, trader Chris Greer, you know, he loves trading draft picks. I would, I would say that uh, there was uh, draft positions I cited earlier. Um, you can almost take it to the bank that at least one of them will wind up changing before we get to draft weekend. Uh, that's how Chris likes to do business. All righty. Well, we look forward to that. And that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters. And to quote Miami Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel, Of all the things people have taught me regarding life lessons or anything else that would benefit me, I don't think anything helped me learn more about life than football. You go through so many different things. Adversity, how to handle adversity, how to handle success, how to lead, how to be a teammate, how to communicate. Well said, Professor. Thanks for listening and join us again next time.